Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, June 6th. Remember this always. Your potential for perfection is absolute. To call someone evil is to traduce what he truly is. For all of us in our souls are divine. Flotsam seen floating down a river soon drifts out of sight. Similarly, all things move whether slowly or quickly, toward ultimate bliss. Compare the evil in us to that flotsam. In striving to reach any worthwhile goal, never say, I have failed. Say rather, I haven't yet succeeded. With that attitude, you cannot but succeed in the end. This is really an extraordinarily powerful thought to, to just inculcate in every every part of our awareness. Our, our thoughts have a tremendous power over us and our cumulative so- thoughts begin to define the whole vibration of our consciousness. And it, we, we have a choice between those aspects of ourselves that are not what we would like them to be and those aspects of ourselves that are expressing in a more positive direction. And everyone is a mixture of all of these things. So it's really just a question of which part of us we're going to focus on. And as, as life goes on, how we define ourselves um, becomes an extreme, extremely determining factor even in, in what we can become. We have an elementary school in our community here in Palo Alto. It, we call our Ananda schools living wisdom schools. And they're based on the, what we also call the education for life philosophy. And it's a, just a particular way of educating children <clears throat> in a holistic way with an understanding of their true potential. If this interests you, Living Wisdom School in Palo Alto and in several other places in the country and in the world, and Education for Life by Swami Kriyananda, who also uses his English name there, Donald Walters. These are very, very interesting ways of education. Now, we've had we, the school here in Palo Alto has been here for 30 years. Our founding school has been there for 40 or 45 years by this point, which is to say we've, we've, we've graduated several generations of children. The thing about educating children is you don't really see the product for quite some time, but we've seen the product. The product has become adults. The product has gone out and had its own lives, and we've really been able to see what we've been able to give these children. There's a few interesting examples from it, because one of the principles of our school, well, there's, there's several, but that are relevant here. One of them is that every child eventually is going to get it right. And whatever is not working for that child, there's always something that is working. We can always help them to lead with their strengths and to gain confidence out of what they can do, and realize whatever is holding them back is, is only temporary. That goodness is the true definition of a person, and there is no limit. We also, of course, 
teach our children with the understanding that they are divine souls, not merely limited physical beings. The principle of reincarnation also plays into our educational philosophy in this way, which is we realize that just because a child is small doesn't mean its consciousness is limited. Just because it doesn't yet have the skills to operate you know, at the same potential that a grown-up might, it doesn't mean that the full intelligence and capability of doing that isn't already present. In other words, what we're doing is we're, we're, um, we're allowing, we're, we're, we're opening the doors for who the child is to express itself. So it's not so much that we're in, in, in giving him information as that we're awakening his own understanding, helping him or her to gradually become who they were born to be. And there was this child in our school who had a, a lot of complicated learning issues, um, you know, as learning differences as they call, call them, and just different things that people diagnose and test for these days. And he was doing very well in our school in about maybe the fourth or fifth grade. His parents finally took him to be evaluated, and he went to one of the local places. We live in Palo Alto, so there's a lot of resources here. Um, and so they took him to some place that really evaluated him. And afterwards, it was very interesting because the psychologist who'd done the, the, the testing came out and said, you know, he has, he has countless challenges that he's always having to work through, but he's so positive and confident in himself. And, he, and the teacher, the psychologist who'd seen enough children, he said, where does he go to school? Because most children with the kind of issues that this child had would have been struggling and very unhappy in himself because he would have been in a school that didn't understand how to concentrate and how to believe, concentrate on, and how to believe in this child's absolute capability for perfection. Not perfect, perfection being the best that he was able to do. He wasn't really limited. It wasn't like he was impaired. He was just different. But he was totally confident that he could do it. And he, he grew up that way. He just sort of managed to thread the needle through all the things that might have limited someone else. And it was, and his parents were the first to admit, to a large extent, the training he got with us. Because we just understood that's how you, that's how you work with people. You know, I, you don't fail. You just haven't yet succeeded. I mean, because I have a lot to say about education for children, I mean, the system that we use that is common in the world today is just unbearable. It's a, just a succeed or fail. And, and you don't, and, and once you, you fail, you fail. You have these low grades, you, you're marked as stupid or whatever it might be. But it's not, they haven't failed. They just haven't yet succeeded. And when everything is about your achievement, then nobody risks anything. We get children sometimes in our middle school who've, been, who've come up through other systems and they won't risk anything. They just want to know what the right answer is. And when they get the right, no, and when they're told what the right answer is and memorize and offer it back, that to them is education. That's not education. That's just being a parrot. You know, education for life, which is what we call it, is when you begin to understand I can develop my own potential. I don't fail. I just haven't yet succeeded. And in our school, the right answer is whatever we're exploring and trying to figure out. Yes, there are objective realities. You have to learn math. You have to learn grammar. It's not like we celebrate um, ignorance or mediocre work. 
But how do you get the best out of people? And even more deeply, how do you get the best out of yourself? There's a story told of Paramahansa Yogananda when, um, well, actually, Swami tells this story. There was one of Yogananda's students who was at the end of his life, and he was in a, in the hospital, and he wasn't he didn't have much longer to live. And on 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 his guru's behalf, Swamiji went over to visit that student, and the man was um, very distraught, and he was sort of not quite in this world. He was half he was between the worlds, and he was saying. Oh, I've done so many wrong things in my life and I have so much to regret and so many things that I wish were different. And Swami came back and Master asked, how was he? Swami said this and Master was so sad. He said, but he also is a very fine person. He's also done many wonderful things in his life. And Master thought it was so unfortunate that he was going into his death holding this attitude of of failure and limitation. And so the, atti- the attitude you have at the end of your life, often um, it does, it influences you know, what happens to you in the astral world and even the attitude that you're born with in the next life. And it was just as true for him to have focused on all the wonderful, beautiful things that had happened in his life. He just took the two sides of himself and chose the negative to focus on. But he didn't start that on his deathbed. That was just the way he had conducted his life all the way through. For a very brief period of time, I, I, I did a little bit of corporate training. It was, it was really not my proper field of expression, so I only did it for a very short period of time. But I was in this high-tech company here in the Silicon Valley. I had a friend who was the HR director. That's the only way I got in. And I was conducting this, I don't even remember what the subject was, but I was trying to get people, I was trying to talk to people about the importance of emphasizing your strengths and to, and to work with your coworkers and the people who work under you to, to emphasize their strengths, help them to lead with their strengths. And it was so completely contrary to the corporate culture Corporate culture is based on always pointing out the weakness. Always, I mean, that corporate culture. Always pointing out what's wrong. Always making sure that you, you say you're not succeeding in this way. Just the whole thing was to lead with your faults. To make sure of your faults. And I had a very hard time even persuading people that they could overcome their faults by concentrating on their strengths. That they could build on their successes. And the more they built on their successes, the more their failures would automatically get swept into the flow. And the more they would build their strengths, it would enable them to mitigate their failures because they would become stronger and stronger in what they're doing. It's a huge conversation in itself. But I myself had to go through a, a, a longer period than I would like it to have been where my self-definition was entirely what I couldn't do. And my, my self-definition was every single time that I failed to live up to my ideals. And the the balance of my preoccupation was so tremendously on the side of my limitations that my not inconsiderable strengths, I just continually brush them aside. And now I'm in my 70s, and I'm very conscious of, I mean, I probably will live well into my 80s. That would be the DNA expectation of the body that I'm carrying, and it, it seems practical to me, 10, 15 years 
That's, you know, that would be a very reasonable lifespan from this point. And I'm very conscious that I don't want to be that man on the hospital bed who at the end of my life, my mind is stuck in the groove that it's been in all the time. Truthfully, I've been changing this for a very long time. But just why be oriented toward what didn't work when there's always so much that did? And, and then the expectation, the very vibration that I carry. Now, of course, this is important to me because I am toward the end of my incarnation, but why waste time? Why not just start now? Just constantly... Yes, of course, I haven't yet succeeded at, I haven't yet succeeded at, I know that I haven't yet succeeded at, whatever it might be. There's a long list. I have more books to write. I have a couple of other projects. I'm really not sure that I'm going to really finish everything because I haven't yet succeeded at quite a few things. But it's been a good run. And almost everybody's life has something in it. You know, I've, I've fostered two kittens. I mean, I'm not speaking for myself because it's not what I do, but I fostered two kittens. I, I, I have enjoyed recently, for just total brain relaxation, watching these little videos that they post of wildlife rescue. It's just like, it's like completely outside my world. I've never been an animal person of any kind, domesticated or wild. I, I like intellectual content a little more, and it's not my, animals are not my thing, but I appreciate them. I don't have any aversion. It's just, I've never gone there. So I'm fascinated by people. That's where they go. And this one woman, it was so touching. She, um, she, she rescued a, a little sparrow or something, you know, something so tiny that had fallen out of the nest. You know how they are when their eyes are still closed and they have no feathers and they're just so scrawny and hideous looking, you know, like, like prehistoric things. And somehow or another, one of those ended up in her hand. And she raised it. And then she, and she had to learn about what to do with it because she knew nothing about it. And then because she'd raised one, then when the next one came into the rescue place, they gave it to her to foster. And, and then she was there. Now she'd done 10 or 12 of them. And it was, it was so sweet. The woman was so sweet. She said, I've never been good at anything and I'm still not very good at anything, but I'm good at birds. She said it just like that. And it was just, it was so sweet. I've never been good at anything, but I'm good at birds. So now she defines herself as somebody who's good at birds. But, but it, was, it was powerful and beautiful. And, and at the end of our life, you know, well, I might not have done everything I planned to do, but I was good at birds. And, and there's... There's truth in that, because the rest of it is just flotsam, as Swami says, just floating down the river. Everything passes, everything changes. But the, the flow of the divine in us, inexorably finding its way to perfection, will never cease to be until that perfection is reached. And that is the only everlasting reality. Everything else is just floating on the surface, rolling along and going away. It's the deeper current of our divine goodness. And if we can't believe in anything else, we can say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am perfectly loved by the infinite. Even if you're not even good at birds, you're still a child of God and you're perfectly loved by the infinite. Make that your self-definition. And great, uh, great happiness will come to you. 
So Swami says, remember this always. Your potential for perfection is absolute. To call someone evil is to traduce what he truly is. For all of us in our souls are divine. Flotsam seen floating down a river soon drifts out of sight. Similarly, all things move, whether slowly or quickly, toward ultimate bliss. Compare the evil in us to that flotsam. In striving to reach any worthwhile goal, never say, I have failed. Say rather, I haven't yet succeeded. With that attitude, you cannot but succeed in the end. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.